Hey everybody, it's David from Middle Age Metalheads, and my favorite episode of 2022 is the year 1982. We uh, first of all, it's it's is that 40 years ago? Yeah, Jeez, almost 41. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's the, over. It's um, you know, we managed somehow in my favorite episode to still cover Iron Maiden, which I don't know how that happened. Um, nice. But the you know the best thing is the little bit of trivia about it. The first time we tried to record that record, we all drank too much, so we had to bail. Um, so we had to do it again. Um, <laughs> that is an important point. And I don't know if we drank too much in the second episode, but we got through it and we published it. So you're so nice. We did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Shashank. Uh, I'm the guitar player from the band Against Evil, and you're listening to Metal Age Metalheads. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Middle Age Metalheads. Tonight, I am joined, as always, by my colleagues, David Timoney in Philly. Yo. We got Colin Bosler up in Whitehall. Hey. And we got John Harden. He's somewhere in California tonight. On location. Yeah. So we're going to devote tonight's episode here, coming at you from January 19th, Edgar Allan Poe's birthday, to the year 1982. Da-da-da-da-da-da. And uh, we're going to start off, as always, by just doing like a sort of contextual sort of like, remember when... 1982, which does really, at this point, I think 40 years gone, seem like a long time ago. And going back is? and listen, and going back oh, and geez, listening to the is. music, yeah, 40, 40 years. years. Holy hell! That's just math. That's just like <laughs> all the <laughs> all the cal- calcium deposits just building your bones, making you stronger and smarter. 40 Drinking years milk. on. That's what they grow on. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, uh, so, Michael, what happened in 1982? Well, the thing is, I was just a mere 11 years old for like most of 1982. Old but uh, I don't know. Shit people could remember, I guess, or they could just go on to like Wikipedia and go like, what happened in 1982? Ronald Reagan is the president. Uh, he had obviously been assassinated. There was an assassination attempt the <laughs> year earlier, but like also AT&T, one of those gigantic sort of like uh, also known as Ma Bell was like forced to like sort of break up into all these different corporate uh, divisions, kind of an eerie sort Look of how parallel. Well out. Right. Mm. And we're, we're, they we're still trying, suck. And we're, yeah. And we're still seeing that today with like, you know, all these, uh, you know, larger Silicon Valley corporations that have their tentacles on everything. Also, in the the news of war, Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands. It was a thing. It totally happened. With, and uh, people like Margaret with accordions. Margaret Thatcher and those dudes, like they they like flex their muscles. It was man, it was tense. Uh, but uh, it was not a big deal. 
Uh, also, this is a year that marks the first episode with Late Night with David Letterman. If you might remember that, stupid people you know, tricks. I, I do remember that. I feel like when I started watching David Letterman, I thought it was much older. Okay. Yeah, I know. I remember staying up, struggling, even though school was the next day, trying to yeah. watch Letterman, and and making it maybe through the first thirty minutes every night. But like, I I grew attached to Dave early. Yeah, like Larry Bud Melman. Those shows were great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, it was like I, you know Conan sort of it, it revived the spirit when he took over that show. But you know the the early Letterman stuff with like the Velcro suit or the Alka-Seltzer suit and like mm-hmm. the stupid Petricks and shit like that was like really fun. Yeah. Do you remember the, uh, did you have the book? The Which, David Letterman book? I'm not sure. It was just like a book full of like s- stuff from the show. It was okay, like, like screenshots top 10 or something. It was like top, or... A couple of top 10 lists. It was like screenshots from like a German shepherd uh, wrote poetry about how much it hated squirrels. And it was just a screenshot <laughs> screenshots of like an angry German shepherd, um, okay. like some skits and things. It was, it was kind of weird. It, it, it was, it was certainly a, uh, an, an irreverent sort of uh, alternative to like what was otherwise available via like Johnny Carson at the time, Yeah, which, you know, which is a show that, he almost inherited from the likes of like Jack Benny, where it's just sort of like part variety, part interview, and mostly just banter. But uh, yeah, David Letterman was like, yeah, iconic. And so that begins in 1982. I don't know, things that began in 1982 also include USA Today for people who read the newspaper, I don't uh, Disney's Epcot Center, which is a way to like, homogenize the world and reduce it to like its basis sort of stereotypical features and put it in one place so that you don't actually need to like travel you know but what you're also, but you're also in florida not the worst thing it's not the worst <laughs> thing but I like it, it, it is what it is it's it's is what it Di- it's what it's what disney does what it is com- it? commodifies diversity what is it yeah what do you mean it's what is one it? of the parks at walt disney world Mm-hmm. And it's it has like a its main feature is this thing called the World Showcase, where they have a section that represents I forget how many ten or twelve different countries of the world, with their food, with their culture, with just booze. The, right? Like it, it's kind of interesting because like all the people who work like in that land say you visit the China section or the Germany section, all of the employees in that section are from their respective countries. They come over and they work in Florida at the park for a year or two. Like, yeah, uh, it's fun. So it's basically around the world. I think it'd be funny if they had like, like countries that weren't actually countries, just countries that people thought were countries. Who would fucking know, right? (laughs) Uzbekistan? Like that's no, 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 I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking like if they said like Puerto Rico, and people would be like, "Isn't that part of America?" And then, like, but like half the people would be like, "Oh, Puerto Rico, hmm. how novel!" Well, what a <laughs> the weird people place. sound funny. You, you, sound funny right? you know, it's an island. <laughs> you know that one lady speaks English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that one lady in my apartment. She wears that flag, and it's like, anyhow, I'm getting, off, top, I'm getting that, off topic. That here, she was going out of the country for uh, spring break. They're like, "Where?" <laughs> she said, "Puerto Rico." Jesus. 
where the fuck is that? I'm going to New Mexico. Wait a second. What happened to the old Mexico? Still there. Sorry. It's Close also they had like that. If you love to like open up boxes of medicine that are wrapped in plastic and then get the plastic out and then take the seal off of the lid and then open up the cap and then take off the plastic lid that is foil wrapped inside of that. You can thank one anonymous motherfucker who was trying to murder his girlfriend for sabotaging Tylenol capsules back in 1982. That's what it was. It was some dude who put cyanide capsules in Tylenol, hoping that his girlfriend would have a headache, get the Tylenol, eat the cyanide, and then die. And here here the rest of us are still doing TSA bullshit. I know a guy who works at a pharmacy, and they fill all the uh, all the opioids with um, with M and M's in case they get robbed. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. I guess unless until you, you like, send somebody home with M and M's, until somebody's like, "Oh, I'm in pain, I'm, but not anymore. I'm cured." That's <laughs> a that's, that's a really that's, that's a really good placebo. Yeah, now I got the diabetes. Also, in, in the world of pop culture, you have like some, uh, I don't know, films that I would have to say are part f- films that I see probably once every five years. At are the these in the Michael Stamps canon? Uh, absolutely. And I'm in seventh grade. I'm 11 years old. <laughs> and Fast <laughs> Times at <laughs> Richmond High is like... <laughs> That's an, that's, that's an R-rated movie, but like <laughs> we totally got into the town plaza there in Gilroy, and we saw that shit. It's like, oh my gosh, being a teenager seems really awesome. I can't wait till that happens. Um, and Jess Piccoli, like smacking his head with the checkered vans, is like so iconic. I was talking with the gal, uh, a friend of a friend, her daughter. And she was wearing a pair just the other night. And I'm like, you have you no idea. In the head with no. Like, have you seen Fast Times at Richmond High? It's like, is what is that? Is that like a new web series? It's like, <laughs> whoa. You know, Poltergeist, never, of course. Comes you know, I've out. never seen Fast Times. Oh, of course oh, you haven't. What the fuck does it take? <laughs> <laughs> Hey David, you remember that movie with the, the the guy with the lighted finger and the glowing heart? E.T. Yeah, hasn't seen that either. No, I've seen it. I saw that in the theater because right, I love okay. Neil Diamond. Stop bragging. Okay, all right. In in, in Winston Salem, North Carolina. All right. Yeah, and, and also what came out in 1982, what David refers to as Rambo Part Two. <laughs> no, Part One. <laughs> part Rambo Part One. Or Rambo Part no, One. It's not Part One. It's just called First Blood. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, they had no idea it was going to be such a big sort of uh, post Rocky sort of thing. In, for... in the books, spoiler: Who's never for if you haven't read it, it only came out forty-two years ago. Rambo <laughs> dies. Well, yeah. Wow. And now oh, here we are, six movies deep. <laughs> and he's going like, strong. Dude, right. I can't wait. I heard in the next one he fights Rocky. Yeah. I'd watch it. <laughs> Fuck, why not? Yeah, they, they, like, do Freddy versus <laughs> Jason. Why not right. Rocky versus Rambo? Yeah. It's like, and wait a Van, second. Van pulls up in a nice town, shoves Rocky out of the. Uh, 
<laughs> He's walking around, gets jumped, gets saved by Rambo. Turns out they're friends, but then he eats his his Alpo. Then they let's, let's talk more about music. All right, fine. This is the uh, least I, music episode we've ever had. You know, we, 1982 was a big year for Ozzy. Big it totally year. was a big and a, bad year too. Big and bad, yeah. So it's like January twentieth. Ozzy bites the head off a bat in a concert in Des Moines, Iowa. Has to get rabies shots, the whole deal. One month later, he gets arrested for pissing on the Alamo. One month after that, Randy Rhodes dies in a crash. And July 4th, he marries Sharon. Yeah, that is a year. (laughs) Yeah, and then then he's back on the road with uh, with brad gillis as his guitarist and i mean no rest for the wicked indeed and that and that record gets pressed and released in the same year it's sort of like that's crazy what's what's your what's your morning until we get to like 1984 and he stops doing drugs for a little while for like a bit (laughs) that's yeah that's uh when did bark of the moon come out like well bark of the moon's 83 and then so the next one's ultimate sin 86 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely a big year. And we think too, like the year 1982. I'm looking at the notes here and I'm thinking, yes, that it was the year of the of the uh, the first Us Festival that uh, Wozniak put together. Yeah, but no Metal Day. Metal Day was yeah, would, would come with one. 83, and that was that was yeah. enormous too. Yeah. But I like, mean the first one was still killer. The police played, Tom Petty played, like a lot of amazing bands. It's funny. We talked about that, I think, on the 83 episode because they had the metal day. But like 82 was was the first Us Festival, which was literally just Steve Wozniak wanting to have a backyard party of his own and inviting the biggest bands in the world. Like it was a complete and utter financial disaster. But if you're one of the co-founders of Apple Computer, why not? Yeah. And, 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 and again, you know, not to speak ill of the dead, you can't take it with you. And he gave us that. He Steve also Wozniak's gave us not dead. I mean, you could start Wozniak still, so you're still time. Okay. Well, anyhow, we'll replay the episode later. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wait though. Well, hang on to it. Uh, uh, one of the biggest albums ever gets released in November. Michael Jackson's Thriller. Yeah, dude, I remember buying. It. I still have it. It's over dude, over there. The world bought it. Vinyl, dude. Yeah, yeah everybody. I, everybody I just bought assume two people copies. who love. Yeah, I was gonna say. I assume people who like it bought two copies. Yeah, I mean, it was that time where you had those albums that, like, even if you liked a different genre of music, everyone had Thriller. Yeah, it and was even. Just, if- even and if that, you didn't and that buy happened it. for like a year straight. Oh shit! It went on for much longer. How many than singles? That. Can like seven more. singles, right? Something seven like singles. That. I mean, almost the entire album, like, all the way from like Billie Jean to like Pretty Young Thing. It was like on the Pretty radio. Thing, that girl is mine. Had, had a video. Uh, obviously, beat it and Thriller. Uh, the Thriller video was epic. Eight Huge. singles. Eight singles. Eight. And how no, many songs no, on no, the album? No. Hold on. Now, this list has a song that's not on there. All right. Strike that. Strike that. Okay. Seven singles, right? So Seven The Girl singles. Is Mine, Billie Jean, Beat It, Want to Be Starting Something, Human Nature, PYT, and Thriller. Over the course of 
a full year. First single comes out in October 18th. Second single comes out November, November 2nd of 83. The last single. Yeah, and so, what's, so what's, uh, how, many, how, how many units does it ultimately move? Like 50, 50 mil? I don't know. Off the wall, so 10 million? Um, I don't know. Where is it? I, I don't know. Here. There it is. There it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 10 million for off the walls. Like, that's, you know, that's. That's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. They recorded this record for $750,000, John. Yeah. That was the album that kept fucking with hysteria for a, a year straight. <laughs> and there was yeah. that, bad, that was bad, though. No. That was Thriller. Because Pyromania comes out in 1983, so it's head-to-head no. head with Thriller. <laughs> no, you're That's thinking a, of bad. Uh, you're th- you're thinking of bad. Really? This is 1982, bro. Right, okay, so, but it so came John, out in November of 1982 and carried on for a year right over the top of Pyromania. Oh, so by the end of uh, by the uh, end of '83, it sold. I think you're talking about Hysteria. Million, oh yeah, yeah. Million Hysteria copies. might have been head to head with Bad. You yeah, would have thought Def Leppard learned a lesson. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, Hysteria. Right? Had like, although Hysteria outsold Bad. So, <laughs> right, well, so yeah. by the end of uh, by the end of '83, it had sold 32 million copies and seven million. Shit. 70 million copies worldwide to date. At its height, it says it was selling a million copies a week. That's okay. insane. Yeah. Dude. I mean, really. Now, the- now, when the biggest album of the year barely clears a million, uh, to yeah. be doing a million a week is just unbelievable. Now, now you just do streams. Nobody yep. buys actual 1.6 billion streams. Here's your check for $142. Right, you get a toaster. <laughs> So it's 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 it, it, it's it's pretty clear, like 1982, like ushered in sort of as as we talked about when we talked about the the MTV era, we talked about videos more recently, like a really sort of like big jump in the sort of like consumer consumption of of popular culture, and and again whether it's ET, which when when I was in Gilroy was at at the theater, and they would broadly sort of like put on the marquee. It's 52nd straight week. That's uh that's that's a long fucking time for a film yeah. to like be in a theater. And you don't you don't see that at all ever these days. No. Um, and, 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 and we it, talked about that same thing with bands or albums, you know, it, that sort of that sort of media attention staying on one thing for so long is impossible these days. The carousel spins too fast. Like, yeah. I, I, a big album is a big album for like a month, maybe. Yeah. So, like, if 1982 is like you just wanted to like do a, like a really quick meme, it's like it's Michael Jackson, it's ET, it's Reese's Pieces. Maybe you throw in some Rambo or Blade Runner, but like, or, or definitely for me, Poltergeist, maybe Fast Times, if David could remember that. But like, yeah. shit, it's like, it gets hodgepodge really quick and it, 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 and you lose like a lot of the texture, which I think we're going to, we're going to get into, right. Uh, Mr. Colin Bosler, we get into the, some of the weeds, get into some Manila road, get into some anvil, get into like all the stuff that's like going on beneath the surface <laughs> of all the other shit. It's not getting on MTV or on the radio. I'm not getting into those weeds, Michael. You're not going to get into the weeds. the weeds. For, for, for me, I was, I was 15 turning 16 in 1982. So Jeez. I got my license towards uh, the Just end of the year. Just got your draft card. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Going was, to I, the Falkland Islands. <laughs> being, a, being a sophomore in high school this year was just, there was so much music. A little little metal. We'll get to my picks in a in a little bit. But I was just buying anything and everything. And There's a and, lot of releases, man. Oh, dude, you everything from Survivor to John Cougar. To, I mean, it just it, it was endless and the hits just kept coming duran duran and even though again as we said judas priest will get me through the door the hand reaches through the door and pulls me into the metal world Ooh, come on eileen i love yeah. rock and roll i mean before that though everything just kept coming and kept coming it was just hit after hit after hit peter gabriel he reaches through the door it's going to keep coming <laughs> It just, I mean, it was, it was a great time, a great, wonderful time to be alive musically. I was absorbing everything I possibly could. That's, that's awesome. So I, I think we're going to, we're going to, going to structure a little bit of our conversation here based on, you know, some of our favorite albums from, from 1982, whether or not we were listening to them in 1982 when we were 11 or david <laughs> nine i was nine seven uh, collins 15 going on 16 but uh, we'll talk about some of our favorite albums maybe throw in drop in like a couple of our favorite songs and uh honorable mentions and stuff so uh let's i guess we just begin as we usually do like alphabetically and just go you know c is for colin I've already given you guys Screaming for Vengeance before. did a whole episode on it. That has to be my number one album of 1982. As I've explained, I was given that as a gift. My mother went to the local record store and said, my son likes hard music and you know, rock music. Can you give him some, some albums to check out? And the guy chose Screaming for Vengeance. She brought it home. She said, I don't know if this is any good, but here you go. And of course, the rest Aww. is history. So yeah, dude. So thank you, mom, for her. yeah, thank you, mom, for giving me. Oh, mm. that, there was so many cool things in that stack. There was a Zeppelin in there. There was a Queen in there. Um, again, all good stuff. But Priest was the one that that hooked me. That was that was the beginning. So my number one has to be Screamer for Vengeance. It's do, their do, best record. Do, I think. Do, do do you recall calling like a, like a more specific sort of like impression, like peeling the binder, the, the the plastic wrap off, or listening to it just. Like songs that stood out for you, or well, the whole thing them? was well. I, I, again, my classic rock roots, my my roots with with pop rock and the stuff that it has to be singable, right? You got to be able to sing it. You got to enjoy the melodies, yeah. and it and it fit. So when I saw it and I pulled it out, and the guys are all dressed in leather and studs, and I was like, well, all right, I'm not sure where they're going with this, but what the heck? They look kind of tough, you know. We'll we'll check it out. But then everything was so melodic and again approachable. It's a it's a record that doesn't come off too strong and too machismo. It has it has driving beats, great guitar hooks. It's got again melodies. I mean, there's not a there's not a lousy song on that record. So the the time I, I dropped the needle and heard Electric Eye all the way through the end, Bloodstone and everything on the other side. Yeah, it's, it's just, got that it, intro of Hellion to lead yeah, you in. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's and that's why and that's I really think why. Good. It hooked me because I was like, "This is, this is enjoyable, heavy, heavy music." It didn't, it didn't make me think anything other than this fits right in with sticks. It fits right in with the other stuff that I was loving, and it, and it was great. It fits right with right in with sticks. It does because what could you go can... wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, Did I you guys know, see my... Halford relented this week, and he's going to keep touring with two guitarists yes. as he should. What yes, the fuck's he thinking? One guitarist. 
Well, I mean, they, they can always just have one guy like in the back. Is, is, is like Richie the keyboard back, player though? for Britney Fox? Richie's yeah, back. Richie's yeah. back. Okay. That really bothered you, John. <laughs> well, dude, dude I, I mean, if there's a band, to, to me, there's like several bands that are, that are, they're either dual guitar bands or they're just not a band. And Judas Priest is one of them. Like, if, if Iron Maiden went on tour with only one guitarist, it wouldn't sound right. And, and I don't it was think Gers? Judas Priest. Well, I don't think Judas Priest would either. Like, no. or if, or if Paul Stanley was just like, I'm not going to play rhythm on this tour. I'm just going to sing. We'll have one guitar. Like, it wouldn't sound right. Yeah, it wouldn't look. It's like right Scorpions. Either. Same thing. It's like yeah. if you only had one guitar in Scorpions, the sound would not sound the way it should. So yeah. I'm glad that Halford came to his senses. Yeah, so that again, that, that that's a good choice, Colin. And, and again, like I came to that like maybe a little bit after I got into the Fenders back in '84, I guess. But when I got into it, it's like it just that's. I think that was the tap root where it's like where I was interested in like what Priest was doing currently. And the stuff that was like on MTV or was on uh, Metal Shop, then it's like, holy shit! Now let's see what happens before Screaming for Vengeance. And you go into Hellbent for Leather, and then you go back into blah 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 and blah blah. It's just like, okay. And I remember like going as far back as getting like uh, Randy Van Fossen lending me his copy of Rock and Roll, and I'm like, okay, this is not what I signed up for but uh, it's 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 okay it's still Judas Priest and you can anybody who wants to could go back and watch those uh those videos of early Judas Priest rock and roll era where they're wearing flouncy hats and blouses and stuff and Rob Halford has long hair it's a very different band yeah, but and shout out to our buddy Pete Nettles who drew the cover of Screaming for Vengeance in his art class in high school. And, <laughs> and I shit you not, I think his parents still have it framed in their living room. Awesome. They, they did it's for awesome. like the longest time. So I, I think it might still be, which I always thought was just awesome. Like, did we call him Pete Nettles? Yeah, that's Padron. Oh, oh, oh Padron. Padron's Pete Nettles. Yep. Okay, I was I was going. So we got like a couple Hollister callouts there to uh, Randy Van Fossen and and Mark Padrone. Yeah, live the Padrone, Papa Drone. Damon, uh, you know what? This the alphabetical carousel spins to you. It often does. It often does, uh, and I I do appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm going through, or I, I was going through today. All of the records that came out, and Colin mentioned it already, there is so many records coming out. You know, we just can't get used to it, right? You go back and you look at how many records are released in a year like 1982. I don't even know how, like how many records had come out today? Like actually people would press them, put them in stores. Like not even like a tenth of that. Two or three a week, mm-hmm. tops. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, of big releases. Yeah. Or, or yeah. like ultra small you know, like sure. you know, boutique releases. But I'm scrolling this list, man, and I'm like, I had so many of these records, and not just metal records, not just rock records. Like, uh, what do you call it? No Fun Allowed with Glenn Fry's first solo record came out this year. I had it. 
right? Smuggler's Lionel Richie's Blues first on that one. Lionel Richie's first record had it. No, Smuggler's Blues is on the movie soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Miami Vice. There's no hits on that, right? There's there's not. That was his first record. But just like scrolling through, there's so many records, and I own like or or you know somebody in my family we had them in our record collection. Um, and we've had this whole discussion before. Like this is back in the day when you really could own anything. Like now we're adults and we can own anything. But there was that time in our development that you couldn't own everything. Um, so you know, it's very very nostalgic to go back and look at all this. But getting to my list, um, I'm not. You know, my tail's not wagging for Judas Priest. It wasn't then. It kind of still isn't now, Colin. Um, yeah, kinda. But, you know, I'll tell you a record <laughs> you that I that. still love that I owned back then was Alice Cooper's Zipper Catches Skin. That record is super, super fun. Um, it's got, there's one track that's got the singer from The Waitresses on it, right? Most people only know The Waitresses from Christmas rapping, uh, yep. the, the Christmas song. They also had a record out this year, uh, The Waitresses, but. That record, Zipper Catches Skin, is just outrageously fun. There is a, a track on this from the class of 1981. Yeah, I Am the Future. Yeah, take a look at my... Yeah. Which was co-written with Lalo Schifrin, the, like the classical composer who oh, wrote yeah. mostly film soundtracks. Wrote, like co-wrote that with Alice Cooper. Um, and then there's another song on this track. It's called Tag You're It, and it's essentially about Michael Myers which kind of foreshadows eventually writing uh, the 84 hit for uh, Man Behind the Mask. Um, Different movie. What? That's, that's Jason Voorhees. I'm just, but anyhow, I get the Friday idea. 13. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's kind of foreshadowing. His- Sorry, I'm just I'm not going to let you go. <laughs> just like making that confused sort of comment between Jason and Michael. They're both silent killers. We get that. Yeah, they wear the masks. one with the glove with the blades in his fingers, right? Whatever, man. Oh, yeah, that one. But anyway, yeah. so for the one who's actually an animatronic doll with anyway. red hair. Anyway, so he's right. He, he sings a song about you know a movie killer, kind of, and then he goes and he sings another one about a movie killer in a couple of years. Um, but the the record is good. Um, the songs never catch his skin is fun. The the record cover is like all of the uh, the lyrics for the song, which is kind of funny. I got it as a cutout. Uh, on cassette a couple years later, like uh, with record player. Uh, but it's a great record. Uh, what was his? Uh, what was his sort of style at that time, Dave? Because I feel like Alice Cooper's had like five different careers, and like you know, like he he would do. He had sort of like a meatloaf period where he was getting a you know like you know what I mean. Like there was like a storytelling period, and then yeah, he got a little more hard rock and a little more yeah. you know like where does this. I don't think he got out of that until that record of 84, until Constrictor. Um, this record is still very kind of um, theatrical. And, you know, uh, what would you call it? Like, uh, you know, like stage play. theaters, like stage play style, right? Melodramatic. Like music, musical theater, right? Conce- conceptual. And yeah. A- um, you know, he does the first record, which is kind of like, a st- it's called Zorro's Ascent, you know, and he's... And but he's really kind of talking about himself. He's got Tag Your It, which is I think, the, the killer story. I Like Girls, which is the, wait- the song that the waitresses. And then he's got um, 
I'm Alive, which which closes the song, which is kind of like a weird kind of boogaloo doo-wop tune, um, parenthetically titled, That Was the Day My Dead Pet Returned to Save My Life. And it's uh, the song tells all of these scenarios where a, his pet came and saved him from like getting run over by a car and some other things. But it is, you know how you put on a record and you either like it or you kind of don't notice it? This is a record that you can put on, listen to the whole thing, and be like, oh, it's pretty good. Like, there's nothing on the record that's bad. Which, you know what? These days, that's that's not like the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there are parts of this record that are that are genuinely good. Like, if you were making a mixtape and you needed something cool to throw on, a, a tune from this record um, could be that record. Could be that song. But, uh, yeah, I still listen to this record. I, I listened to it recently. It's, it's pretty good. I will give it a shot. Very uh, cool. I, I think I've heard songs from it, but not the whole album. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a good. That's a good recommendation. I think that's again. That's kind of like kind of the, the point of like bringing all this stuff to the surface is like yeah. It's like you might have missed this. You might have neglected it. You might have thought, hey, you know, back in 1982 was not cool. You might have missed it. Alice so John doesn't remember making this record. Of course, cocaine <laughs> never remembers. <laughs> cocaine and like hard, like those hard steel cans of Budweiser. They we need like a, we need a commercial. Cocaine, <laughs> it never remembers. Cocaine okay, doesn't remember. Why should you? So, John, what you got for us? My uh, my ah, top Christ. record, my number one is number six hundred and sixty-six. Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. Woe Woe to thee. That's right. Woe to thee, O Earth and Sea. (laughs) Maiden's third record and their first record with Bruce. uh, You know, there's a lot of Iron Maiden fans that consider this to be their best album. And it is. It's it's stacked. As far as Iron Maiden classics, this album is stacked with, with... Hallow be thy name and children of the damned, number of the bees, run to the, the hills, says the beast with them. I, 22, I mean, Acacia 22 Avenue. Acacia Avenue. Yeah, like it's it's so great, it's so good. Like it's uh, really a, an amazing record. I, I was reading a thing today that you know the covers, like, really it's a Derek Riggs illustration. And originally, I guess he drew that cover for the single for Purgatory. And Rod Smallwood liked it so much, he's like, nope, we're saving it. And then it became the cover of Number of the Beast. So, yeah, there, I, 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 again, like we were putting this together and you had already snatched that up. I'm like, okay, all right, that's, that's a, that's an obvious choice, but like it, it is absolutely the best choice if you're talking about like the top metal album. And, and again, I think with with some ascent here, like 1982 or just Iron Maiden and Joe's, like their best album. And it's definitely a lot has to do with like the introdu- introduction of Bruce to the band. Yep. Really fucking alters their dynamic in and right so after many this, ways. They send Clive Burpack in and well, Nika McBrain yeah. joins that year. Yeah, and there's again, there's uh, you know, hallowed be his name too, but like, uh, uh, you know, the sense too, like he, he was just, he, I, I guess he would just like fall asleep during gigs. He would just like he just like pass out drunk. 
and like and, and, and Harry, Steve Harris, would just like sort of like he'd get up there and he would just like jab him with like you know with with his base. It's like get the fuck, wake the fuck up, dude. Like we're still playing. But uh, yeah, his his days were numbered. I think this is also the same year that Nico McBrain joined uh, Iron Maiden, and he's obviously still with them to this fucking day, forty fucking years later. Yeah. And I defy anybody, including David Timoney, to listen to that record T to B. I have done it. Which which song sucks? Which song is not order or in song? No, I don't know if there is one. I mean, they've played. I think I've seen them play all of these songs. Is that the one about the uh, gangland? Invaders. 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 Invaders is the outlier. It's the album opener. It's it, yeah. You know, it's I don't know. They could have done better. I don't know. It's just it's. It, 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 but they they did that one. It's like it's a song that they never have performed live ever. Invaders, to my knowledge. But like I, I've seen them perform all of the other. Uh, two math. Uh, eight minus one is seven. All the other seven songs. When when, when they played Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour at the Shoreline Amphitheater, they played all of the other songs off of Number of the Beast, in addition to whatever they played from all the other great albums that they had up to that point. So it's like shit. And again, John John will recall too, like uh, uh, KSJO. KSJO. Like they would do, like you would just you do the drive home, and they would like play yep. back, like, and this is they, what you missed. This set is the set list, and yep. so it'd be like they did, like all, you know, basically all number of the beast. So it, it's part of their their core. It's part of like their whole sort of uh, when when they first started to like get success in America. It was based on the tours they did with Bruce early on when they were doing support stuff for other bands. And uh, of course, when uh, Colin and Chris and I saw them, uh, shit seems so long ago, but like within the last couple of years, it was the legacy of the beast. And they didn't play shit off of the newer records. They played, they played the hits. And again, it's like that stuff that like still holds up to this day. Yeah. Colin, you got any particular sort of like beastie memories? Well, I didn't jump on this one in 82 because the cover was not what I thought I would like. I was like, mm, okay. there's a, there's a, there's a devil little... and some guy. I was like, nah, that, that's not exactly my style in 82. <laughs> However, when I started to get into Maiden in 83 and 84, I looked back and grabbed. Uh, by that time, I was like, okay, whatever. I'll take everything yeah, now. By that time, yeah. Colin had found the devil and he's like, this is my shit. Yeah, like... I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to grab it all now from, from the from the first Iron Maiden with the with the skinny Eddie on the front all the way up to Power Slave. And man, I'll tell you what, I, Number of the Beast gets an honorable mention from me because that album is just awesome. It really is. It's How so Would Be good. Thy Name is my favorite tune from Maiden. Oh, and Christ, it's just, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just a great, great release. There's just no weak tracks. It's It's fantastic. Invaders, and I, I, I shared it earlier. I don't think today. that's a Sebastian Box cover of Children <laughs> of the Damned is fucking awesome. I gotta check that out. You mentioned that it's really good. Okay. Where did he, David? Where did you ever he heard Number of the Beast? What's that? Is that a okay? The, cool. The, the, uh, <laughs> let's move on to Mike's <laughs> first album. <laughs> okay, so let's let's see where I'm at here. Like, uh, 
like a quick segue here or not a segue, but like a, a continuation. Like, so like Colin said, like the album art for like number of the beast was like a little too strong for him. <laughs> and, uh, I, I have now like laminated, uh, or like posterized whatever you do there at Staples and stuff. This poster I have from like 1982 from my old friend there on Lexington place in Gilroy, Mike Gonzalez, because his mother forced him to take it off of his bedroom wall because Geraldo Rivera and satanic panic. And the idea that like, this is not even about music. This is about like witchcraft and, you know, uh, some sort of like satanic rituals and murder and stuff. You need to like remove this. And so he, I remember him like coming to my front door saying like, dude, do you want this? I'm like, what is it? It's like, what's your fucking number of the beast poster? I'm like, what's, what's going on? And he gave me the whole story. I'm like, I don't love the devil anymore. I'll, I will take, no, he totally loved, he loved the devil. We, the really weird thing too is like in 1982, we didn't even listen to Iron Maiden. We just liked the imagery of it. Yeah, it's a fucking awesome fucking album cover. Yeah, we've talked about that before. How their branding like brought people to the band. It's funny because Colin had the exact opposite. Yeah, you know, right? like there, yeah. there were people who had Maiden posters who had never heard the song, and then Colin <laughs> saw the poster and he's like, "No." No, 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 that's not my that's not my today at all. That does not go with sticks. <laughs> you know, I because like the, the first time I started listening to Iron Maiden was like maybe a couple years later when I listened to the trooper and then started listening to Power Slave. <clears throat> but that's that's a couple years later. We we just love the fucking imagery of it. Yeah. Uh, but we also love the imagery of like uh Ozzy with the, the wolf teeth. And the jello coming out of his mouth off the live record there for uh, Speak of the Devil, which is like uh, for, for oh, Michael, for is us. this your is this a power segue for you? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's this is what this is. It's a wow. power segue. You see how I didn't want anybody to miss that. No, 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 but like that. Yeah, thank you. This is why we need sound effects. Well, you could add them in right here. Power <laughs> segue. Well, no, that's not a sound effect. But like, there'd be like one kid, like an older kid, who would be like longer in hair, taller, and uh, a little bit more aggressive with the girls and stuff. But he would also bring over like cassettes and say, "Like, what are you dumbass kids listening to?" It's like, yeah. "Hey, this is Genesis. I just got this at California Music." He's like, "Listen to this," and he'd throw in "Speak of the Devil." Speak of the, that was a double cassette. Is a double cassette. That's so true. Right. Came and he in would, the, like the that weird the pack. Double, yeah. Yeah. The weird pack. Yeah. Yeah. And he he popped that in, and we're like, "Who's Mister Crowley? Is that is that someone?" I it is like, and, and but, but the great thing about it's, speaking it's of the devil, Jesus. Uh, you know, just sort of like the haunting <laughs> fucking songs, and then of course because <laughs> this record includes like uh, Sabbath classics. It becomes sort of like my introduction to like Black Sabbath, whose history at this point extends back like an additional like 11 years. So it's like a really sort of like weird kind of initiation. But like to like look at Ozzy on that cover and to think and then 
then you start seeing Ozzy on MTV and there's like concerts and stuff where it's like, what's he going to do? It's like he's got like the the glowing laser. Uh, the, the laser cross that goes upside down. Yeah. It goes upside down. It's like, and it's like, that My fits mom in. freaked out. When oh I yeah! Was watching that, she was not cool with that. <laughs> like, you know, Mike. It, it, talking, speak of the devil. Like, do you know the story behind that? Like, I, I don't per se, because to me, it seems like such an odd release. Because you've got a guy who did all this work in a really famous band, and then leaves and works his butt off to become established with really solid records. I don't understand what what the thought was. To go back to the well, I'm like, totally it, with you, John. That album was a disappointment. That, that was a disappointment to me because I get it, but you said we're already two Ozzy albums in, right? Yeah, I, two I was great like, records in. But I get that one. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, like, no offense to Sabbath, but I'm like, I don't need this. I need more of that. Right, yeah. but it's but it, but it's also a transitional record too because we had to remember it's a live record. So and, and we always know like that live records are like. Uh, contractual agreements. The great, so like Sharon Adler, Sharon Osbourne, as we would know, um, who's related, obviously by birth, to her father, who was uh, the manager of Black Sabbath. Still at this time, the manager of Black Sabbath uh, wanted to get Ozzy out of this four-record contract, right? So this this was her gambit. The gambit was. Randy had died. They had released two records, and her sort of like suggestion was like, "Let's hurry the fuck up and put out some product." So this is capitalizing on certainly like the, 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 the sort of tragic notoriety of, uh, of Randy's uh, demise, but also gets Ozzy freed up from CBS, or at least this this initial four-record contract. Yeah, I still don't get it. I mean, if you were to capitalize on the moment right there, why wouldn't you put out an album of Ozzy solo music on a tour with Randy at the time? This this, this is what I've read. In, in, but in, in, but in wasn't, there, wasn't the plan before Randy died to put out a record of Black Sabbath tunes? I, I think you're right, David, and Randy wasn't that into that. Yeah, Rand, Randy didn't know he didn't know Black Sabbath from fucking I don't know, you know whether it's like you know Sonny and Cher he just he didn't know it yeah but like I mean but, it, it but probably, again it, but I would it, say it's probably because you know Ozzy was going through like a depression and drugs and whatever was going on in his life I just don't think he had him in, in it to put another record out so they figured they would just throw out this greatest hits re-recorded Black Sabbath stuff. It's it's not pre-recorded. It's all live. And again, like that that's part of the motivation there too is like again, Sharon's always the sort of like goad stick leader who's like, dude, get back on the stage, keep going, keep the money printing, keep the money printing. We have we already have all these dates. So sure. just just get it, get another guitarist. But like, yeah, if we wanted at this point, you know, what comes out after this? That's the bark at the moon, you know, with with Jakey Lee, you know. But but the thing that's driving it, shit, Ozzy him by himself would have just like, 
you know, self-destructive. There would there be no, there would have been like no Bark at the Moon, no Ultimate Sin. So like it, it, it ends up being sort of like the Sharon Adler, Sharon Osbourne sort of like project. Like, how do we do Ozzy? Get Ozzy on the stage. And Brad Gillis comes in and he hammers the shit out. And it's and I think Tommy Aldridge, of course, is on the sticks. Right. You know, and ribs uh, and a gong. Love you, there Tommy. You go. Yeah, and it but for mm. me, as as I remember, it was like, you know, it was like NIP, what else is on there? Fairies wear boots. There's just like so much it's it's an epic album to slog through. Um, but it, but if it's your like your first introduction to like Ozzy and or Sabbath, it's like awesome. And it's you know when you're 11 years old or you know because we'd just like be you know just be shooting hoops there in the driveways and stuff, and just like playing this stuff. It's like okay, this scene or or sitting you know by the you know the the railroad tracks there outside of uh, South Valley High. Okay, this is this is the soundtrack to like what we're doing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna keep myself <laughs> in the Bossler camp where I don't get it. Like, I just don't understand the step backwards to keep going. Like, yeah, I guess. Well, they didn't have stuff in the can, I guess. Yeah, Colin. Yes, we are back to you, sir. Well, now the hand of Judas Priest has pulled me into the world of harder rock and allowing me to express my uh, myself a little more and check out some more things. So the second thing I want to talk about from 1982 was a, an album that quite honestly surprised me. It was Blackout by the Scorpions. What an amazing record. I, I, I bought it for one reason and one reason only. The dude on the cover had his eyes being ripped out by forks. <laughs> so you're okay with that? I, yeah, because it's not. That's not. Yeah, because like, it's not satanic. It's, no, it's, it's cutlery, make... Mike. It's it's flatware. <laughs> like, okay. it's just like this guy's insane. This guy. Because remember, I had an Alice, I had an Alice Cooper background, so I'm like, this is like a guy in a mental institution, and they're, they're, they're taking his eyes out or something. I don't know. But I but I picked it up, and man, blew my doors off. What yeah. a great release! I it, again, pleasant surprise. I was just like, and again, you can just you can feel the the ball beginning to roll a little faster, you know, down the hill. It just each each one of these releases was just like, man, this stuff is great, and I was really impressed by Blackout. Yeah, it's in my top five too, Colin. I, you know, to me, I, I think my first record that I really got into Scorpions was Love It First Sing, the next record, and then went back to Blackout. But I remember seeing, you know, I remember seeing the T-shirts with Rudolph Shanker on the front and, and you know, the the sporks in his eyes and uh and you go back to it and it's to me this is sort of the start of the classic scorpion sound of of the 80s that made them really popular I agree. Uh, you know the, the first three songs is it on the record are uh are still in their set list. Blackout, Blackout. Can't Live Without mm-hmm. You, and No One Like You. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, for a one, two, three opener on an album, tough to be neat. This is like their 10th record, right? I think it's probably their eighth. close. It's, it's, it's like, we, we, it's okay. we oh, come yeah. in, our folks our age generally come in around Love First Sting. Eight. And then we go back, we're like, oh yeah, they got a record before this. <laughs> Like seven. Yeah, they do. 
You're like, oh, that's like Zappa. You like jump in on a Zappa record. You're like, how many more records this guy got? 27. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my second one. Yeah, uh, it's great. I mean, I would say all four of us agree on this one, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. Alan, that's the Absolutely. reason The reason you bought this record is literally the reason I did not buy this record. I thought the cover <laughs> okay. was stupid. <laughs> but somehow the Men at Work uh, album was super cool. That's Cargo. right. What are they clever But I heard their music before I saw the cover. <laughs> so... There you go. So don't judge a book by its cover. Fargo was 1983. But yeah, this, this iconic image there again. That's that, it, 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 it partly sells, and then you see the image too show up in I think the video for No One Like You, where like, yeah. like Klaus is like, is he on Alcatraz? <laughs> if you watch the uh, talking about the forks in the eyes, there's a video game that came out. Quite a while ago now, ten years maybe, called Brutal Legend. Mm-hmm. Jack Black did the voice for it. Yeah. It's a double fine game, and uh, Tim Schafer is the guy who created that game. Loves metal, and there's these like binoculars all over the game. Where you can like go and see different parts of the island, and all of the binoculars have the forks in the eyes, like the cover <laughs> of the album. That's great. And I sent Tim Schafer a message and just said, "God, I love this game," and I'm like, "And the blackout viewfinders." incredible and he wrote me back and said you're the first person to point it out and <laughs> and there's there's songs hidden all over the game that you sort of have to find and if you find a song it gets added to the playlist you can listen to when you drive around and he's like i hid blackout in this cave so if you haven't found it yet go over here and it's waiting for you and That's so it's awesome. pretty cool awesome Sick. Yeah, it, it, men of a certain age will figure it out. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all we're all the youngs who are just like forks and eyes. It just seems normal. <laughs> like something that could happen. Cool. So we go we go to David. David, you got like another pick for us here? If you're 1982 yeah, selections, you know, I'm gonna say, you know I'm I'm gonna pick the next one is not a favorite favorite record. I'm like top 25 or top 50 for me. Um, but kind of an essential 82 record, and that is Under the Blade by Twisted Sister. Another kind of top-to-bottom, very solid, uh, seminal metal record. Um, This was a record I had heard and didn't know I'd heard it until after I'd heard uh, Stay Hungry. Went to go back to this one, and I was like, oh, I've heard these songs before, right? Um, you can't stop rock and roll was another one of those records, but you know, I'll never grow up was on the reissue. Um, if you got the cassette or the CD, like much later, and it's on the, it's the streaming version as well. But things like Bad Boys of Rock and Roll, Run for Your Life, Sin After Sin, Shoot Him Down, like very kind of classic metal themes and very classic metal sound, but. You know, I mean, this is this is Twisted Sister, and we've kind of talked at length about, you know, the time they put in and the work that they did to get where they are. And it's no secret that this record is is super solid and remains. You know, I think for Twisted Sister fans, even like hardcore fans, like I I like come out and play, but I also recognize that their career was at the end at Stay Hungry. But when you include this record and and uh, and uh, can't stop rock and roll. I think you got three really solid. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and this is also the same year that the, the, their their so-called like uh, rough cuts or rough. Mm, 
They're like an earlier. I think EP. that's what it's called. Yeah. It's, I think it's called Rough Cuts. I Rough love Cuts, Rough yeah. Cuts, by the way. It's yeah. got the it's got the demo version of uh, of the leader of the pack, which I like. Yeah. No. And, and, and again, it's like it, it's really party of one. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's really weird because, like, of course, like most of us don't discover like uh, Twisted Sister until like 1984 when we're seeing those, you know, the like, sort of like Halloweeny costume dudes show up to do like uh, we're not going to take it, but like the, watch the documentary and, and of course listen to our, our uh, podcast with our friend uh, JJ French from a couple months back or so. Like these guys struggled for a decade just to get just to get signed, and when they did get signed, you, you kind of got stuff like this that was already, with, you know, they'd already uh, got a little bit on wax there from from another record company and stuff, but like but they didn't really make it big until they got on Atlantic, which is which is a shame. And we're we're at this this era here and. and Collins, the the elder member, of course. And we talk about like we, we a lot of the people that you included on the list, Colin, are like like people aren't gonna recognize half of these bands and stuff. But they're part of like Nawobum. They're part of like you know just just sort of like groups that are just kind of like you know they come up and they disappear. Uh, like Stampede. You guys remember Stampede? How about Stress? <laughs> How about Talus? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, David remembers Talus. He does, of course. Bill yeah, because it's the first appearance of Shy Boy, one of 40. There you go. <laughs> you know, or, or a band like The Rods. You know, Ryan appears. Oh, I get the Rod. The Rods are on my honorable mention. I know they're on your list. That record Animal Wild Dogs. Shows up. Super good. How about the He's, he's Coast? Ecos, uh, Fargo, Rocket, Cloven Hoof, Demon. It's Hoof funny, Hoof. Dave, that you say that you know that Stay Hungry looks like the the end, or it's coming to the beginning of the end, per se. And it's only two years removed from this, but you listen to this, and it's just this like barrel dirty record. This it's is just really... this is a street band. It sounds like it's recorded in an alley. Yeah. And well, it's like that's the thing. It's like when I think about Maiden, I like if you have like if I envision being a Maiden concert, you know, I can't imagine being at one because we've never been there. Um, but if you were to ask me what it's like to be, my sense of being in a Maiden concert is being one among a huge crowd, very far away from the band. When I think about Twisted Sister, I think about being in a club. Where there's no stage and you might get hit in the face with a guitar. <laughs> and I think JJ French saw themselves as that all the way through. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he says it himself. By the time they started selling records, that was boring. Like yeah. to them, the lifeblood of the band was playing nine shows a week every night yeah. in those clubs in New Jersey yeah. and New York. And uh, you know, that the the struggle was the I good love- part. I love that man. I was sister. I was at a show a month about a month or so ago, and we were in the pit, kind of mixing it up at this small venue. And the singer for the band was there too. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and it was cool, man. We had a blast. Yeah. So, like, if anybody hasn't seen it, I think it's available on Amazon Prime Video, and it's called "This Is Twisted Fucking Sister," and it gets you like down and dirty into like the early days. And how the band struggled 
and for all of us like uh, cream puffs on the on the west coast who like discovered them really late i i remember like marty carter he had like uh the import copy of under the blade and he played as like holy shit this is a little bit rougher this is a little bit ruder and then at some point we picked up you can't stop rock and roll and it's like okay let's and we never got a chance to see them they might have showed up one time i remember like pat cluck sort of like bragging like i went to see like ynt and twisted yeah, sister and and Selena's they played or something. with lita ford and keel in salinas <laughs> all right that would have been right. fucking awesome yeah i mean i didn't see them until i don't even know 2010 maybe i went to one of the christmas shows Holy, oh, okay. Sorry. But I mean, we, it was it was great. Like it was actually it was really great. And the band and then, seemed they, to they, be enjoying was, themselves and they played all the hits too. And then you know, it wasn't it, just like a Christmas thing, but like it was it was awesome. I'm just glad yeah. I got a chance to see them. And it's philanthropic because like when they do those shows, it's, it's like a charity event too. Yeah. So, but yeah, like back in the day we had a chance, but too young or just we didn't get that episode or that that issue of you know metal edge or well when when we started going to shows they were on the decline That's, so they weren't yeah. doing the big tours like you know we were only yeah. 13 and and without constant transportation when stay hungry came out or or 12 and yeah. and uh you know by the time it got to the point where we could they were kind of done yeah let's uh let's see so uh Mm, that was David's uh, choice. So we go from David to John. Yeah. Uh, Creatures of the Night uh, is, is my next pick. Uh, it's not an episode without Kiss. Creatures <laughs> is a great <laughs> record. Uh, you know, it's the last album with Ace, if you want to call it that, because he's on the cover, <laughs> but he didn't play on it. Uh, yeah. The last album in makeup as well. It got reissued without it, but Benny Vincent enters the band, plays half of it. Uh, it's got I Still Love You. He plays on I Still Love You, Creatures, War Machine. It's, it's great. And, and I love those it songs. loud. A lot of those yep. songs are still on their playlist. Yeah, and it it's a bounce is. back. I mean, you think about what they're coming off of in 1982. <laughs> they're They're coming out of <laughs> They're, they're coming out of the solo albums, The Elder and Unmasked, and it's like, fuck, now what do we do? <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I, that would kill a lesser band, and Creatures is actually a really good record. Great record, yeah. No, I, I think that I came into this record at, at I Love It Loud, bought, like, I heard, you know, I, I heard it at a friend's house, I saw the video, then I was like, okay, cool, I'll buy the record. And then... You know, it was kind of like as I got to each tune, I was like, "This is great." War Machine remains one of my favorite. Yeah, this tune. and it's awesome. Yeah, it's just like yeah. that that like dragging riff. It's just, it's just perfect. And then you know, like I, I've said it before, I still love you. I think it has one of the best ballad guitar solos ever. Yeah. yeah, and I you pointed it out on that episode where we brought it up, like Eric Carr's drums on that song. Yeah, killer, epic, epic. killer. It's, it, it, it's so weird. I'm, I'm going to be brief on this because I know we're short on time. But like, so like, I didn't get into this record until like after Animalize because it wasn't really available. But when it became available, I got it on cassette um, and I listened to it. I, I remember like 
distinctly like walking in the fields there some somewhere off of Foothill Road, just doing stuff with my headphones. It's like, holy shit, this is not what I expected at all. I expected like Unmasked Part 2. I expected like some sort of like kooky fluff. And it's like, it was so hard rock. It's like the... Put, and I put that like almost right alongside like an other aberrant record like Hotter Than Hell. It's like, and also Revenge. It's like, holy shit, you guys do this like once a decade. You like blow people's fucking balls off and then you go back to doing like Heavens on Fire. That's super cool. <laughs> which which I totally love too. That's a really good point, Michael, because I felt the exact same way. I did not jump on Creatures when it came out because I unmasked really just, I, I hated it. And I was like, I was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know, Creatures, blue face paint or glow in the dark or whatever the hell's on the cover. I was like, I don't know. And then I got into Animalize and I got into Look It Up and all. And like you said, Michael, I went back and I was like, holy shit. Like, that's yeah. a heavy, that's a heavy, heavy album. And, it, and it's also a little dark. It's not like a it's not like a happy go lucky oh, totally. kiss album. Yeah. It's it's yeah. kind of it's kind of I, mean, I lament I lament the fact that they lost Vinny Vincent so quickly because yeah. they were onto a yeah. good thing with him. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and definitely he he was sort of like the the jet fuel that that, that they really fucking needed once they had jet again like then certainly the addition of Eric Carr just kind of like jumped them into. What, what they would become in the 80s and it's like so unlikely so unlikely yeah. like I never this could have been a, a band that just like withered and died away yeah John I think you nailed it I mean I never really thought it like as clearly as that this is a really dark album like Colin was saying like it's just when you put this and I, it's kind of something I'm thinking about a little more lately when you think about kind of albums in sequence or like you pair albums because of like how the songwriting goes or how the touring goes, when you put this side by side, not with like the Dynasty and Unmasked, but when you put this side by side and let kind of Vinnie Vincent be the connection, this and Lick It Up. Yeah, man. Back to back bangers. Really good records. Yeah, and and again, it's like, and we we notice this again. We're not we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. But like Vinnie Vincent was like an additional songwriter and as well as a player, and like whatever A's and Peter contributed earlier on, like was also kind of constricted. But uh, let's uh, let's let's segue a little bit. Uh, am I hearing some background yeah, music? Yeah, there's some music leading through. Oh. All right. That, uh, it's Collins. Um, I apologize. I didn't think you'd hear it. I, know, I, I was Collins just wondering. Collins listening to Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, <laughs> blather on about creatures of the night. Oh, okay. I so there's like some... I was just, I was just chilling. Sorry. Watching some Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stuff. That's, that's cool. Just background uh, ambient music. Michael, okay, so tell okay, us so about I'm some gonna... rock and roll. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna bundle up my stuff into like a nice, good falafel here. So, like, the things that stand out for me, like, from 1982, when I was 11, and songs, when I still hear them, remind me of what it was like to have... I didn't have a stereo. I had just had, like, an AM, FM radio by my bed and stuff. So, like, whenever I would hear songs like Aldo Nova's Fantasy or Golden Earrings Twilight Zone or Billy Squire's Everybody Wants You or I'd be in, like, my friend's 
older brother's car and stuff like these were like fucking anthems of youth anthems are just sort of like just great sort of like just exhilaration just sort of like isn't music awesome that you could just like play it really loud and you could sing along to it and you could feel like what you didn't feel like when you were at school or feel like when you weren't like doing like chores around the house it was liberating and yeah. that's the sort that when that shit sort of like gets into your gets into you it's like i want to fucking chase that dragon i don't want to be doing basic fucking shit i want that excitement level so you know when i when i think about like other records that I've discovered since 1982 that I didn't get into, that we weren't like going around with with Robert Gonzalez and his and his uh, what did he have? He had like a he had like a he had like a Camaro, but he had like a T top. Remember the T tops? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Trans Am. Uh, it was a Camaro T top though. Okay. But it wasn't like uh, <laughs> it wasn't like the Bandit. <laughs> but uh, just check them out if you haven't thought about them or listened to them. Rose was, Tattoo was, was, was Scarred for the, Life. Was, was Fantasy the one where he used his guitar as a laser in the video? Oh, like, uh, yeah. Most yeah, likely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He totally did. I'm and like, yes. Mirroring, they suck, but that song is great. Oh, yeah. You I really like, like that song, but like, as a, a band, not you so much. You don't well, have that like radar love, and you're done, right? Only and only radar love because of White Lion. <laughs> I'll take White Lion's version. Yeah. It's it's still Maybe a good version. Did. Maybe somebody else did Twilight Zone too. Probably no, not not quite like no. yeah, yeah. Go to secondhandsongs.com and you'll find all the answers to your questions. And also, uh super unrated, underrated record. This is going to be thematically connected to our last episode. Accept. Mm-hmm. Restless and Wild. If you don't... Great album. you don't like Accept, that's cool. But if you haven't listened to Accept, and you're not from 1982, put on Restless and Wild and just start that and go straight to Fast as the Fucking Shark. That's not the title, it's just called Fast as the Shark. <laughs> and it set off an enormous sort of like boom of like how is that motherfucking drummer and that band playing so fast all right what's you'll see through right david fast as a shark. <laughs> that's how they drum fast as a shark you ever see i do ever- love as a recurring joke in the podcast that anytime an accept album is mentioned dave asks for clarification on the name of the album and he will never ever listened to no, it. I, like, I put it on Dave, right give us your review of Blood of Nations. We've only talked about it like 30 times. <laughs> like, 31. 31 now. I think it just advances. as a it, shark. It, just it play that once. Just play it once, David. <laughs> Why is he Respect. singing like that? Respect. <laughs> the beginning is a is not the song. Why is he doing that? Oh, no, no. The beginning is not the song. That's the sort of like I setup. I hate when it's, people think they're funny. There's nothing yep. worse. Yep. Oh, so this is a reaction video Dave now. Mustaine, your life is calling you. That's right. Hello, God. Are you there? God, it's me, Dave Mustaine. 
Colin, speaking of Dave Mustaine. <laughs> yes. Get us out. Give us your next pick there. What's your next pick? I do, it has nothing to do with Dave Mustaine. That's, uh, that's, that's, right. that's John's segue. Oh, okay. <laughs> not a not a power segue. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm going to finish up my my picks with Rainbow's release straight between the eyes. Again, going to be honest, I bought it for the cover. I I had heard of Rainbow before. I had spent a little bit of time with Rainbow. I liked Man on the Silver Mountain. The song did not really get to know them well, but then when I saw again straight between the eyes, gave it a shot. Loved it, man. Uh, really, really rocking album. Not metal, just a, a good hard rock album. I like Joe Lynn Turner's voice. I like. I the really playing. like Joe Lynn Turner. I, I like the the playing on the album. It's again very approachable, very uh, hard driving album. So that was a nice surprise as well. It's one with Stone Cold, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah Death is, Alley Drivers on there. It's just a good good rocking album. That's that's like a sort of like great sort of like and, and again like we we could almost denigrate it to be sort of like the sort of like corporate rock sort of band. Which Richie Blackmore would say, like, that's what I want. I want to get on the radio. That's why he ditched. He was ditching Dio. That's why he ditched you. He was like, this, these songs are great, man. I was in this other progressive band, Deep Purple, before, but like, let me get on the radio. And he got on the radio with Joe Lynn Turner. And those yeah. songs, those songs really hold up. So, you know, I'll take any, I'll take any chance. You know, to uh, to listen to a big organ. Oh yeah, John Lord. John Lord. Fucking I just master. had Deep Purple, Perfect Strangers record on the other day. I love. I freaking love that. That's one of your favorites, David. I, I love that. that I've learned that about you. That's a great. That the organ yeah. in that record is so good. Even if you don't like Deep Purple, that's a good record. But it, that's your own problem, then. But it's like, but you should check out John Lord. He is. He's awesome. on that record, dude. I know that's what I'm saying. I, we're problem, selling this whose problem is it? We're selling the same thing: the peanut butter and the jelly. Get oh, it? A, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> I, this is a different commercial now. All right, get, get yourself some fucking John Lord. All right, God so, damn. Am I, am I gonna am I gonna segue from his choice of rainbow? I think you, you are. are. I'm gonna have to segue into my honorable mention. That's how I'm gonna segue. Uh, you don't okay. really segue by like saying like I'm segueing. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i segue it's kind of a little awkward well i want to know if michael knows how i'm going to segue from rainbow to the rods wild dogs now um, i don't know this album david but i'm playing it right now and the guitar at the beginning of the first song is great yeah it's a, a good really release. good <laughs> record release now the here's the kicker and i only found this out um, actually, I, I found this out like a while ago, but I remember I totally forgot about it until today. The singer for this band is Ronnie James Dio's cousin. Really? <laughs> yes. Never do that. His name's he like Finkelstein or something. He was a member of Elf. Yes, they were an Elf together. Yes. But yes, this record is, this is like a classic rock record. Good beginning to end. It is so good that I was like, I don't think I've heard this record in 15 years. And I don't remember who turned me on to it. I want to say it was Joey Mahoney, but I could be wrong. But it's a really good record. This is a great, like, driving in the car record. Um, when you don't want to jinx yourself and listen to the band you're on your way to go see in concert. Put this record on. Because you'll never see this band live. As far as I know, they're all dead. 
No, uh, there's still a few you, of them around. You would be wrong <laughs> as far as that goes. Well, maybe they, they, they should play in New York every once in a while. The whole Rod's catalog, by the way, is excellent. It really yeah, is. There's a lot of strong releases in there. And, and, and again, so like, for people who, who are unfamiliar with the Rod's, uh, and, and I have uh, uh, the late, great Kerry uh, Cardi to like credit for this. You know, members of the band have produced uh, Anthrax records, yeah. uh, um, among others. Uh, and, and, and also, uh, they put out like a really great song, which is included on our Spotify list. And the title of the song is 1982. And they talk about like how they started, and they like they name check all the bands, they name check songs. It's like a really yeah, good that. sort of. No, like oh, that's, that's your favorite. <laughs> that's your favorite, David. Right. Yeah, because we want. It's like, like it's like, like the metal of, version of "We Didn't Start the Fire." Yeah, it's it, it, it's, it's a little sort of like it's, yeah. David hates met, meta songs, but like it 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 does that. It's yeah. So like the rods are still alive, and I think it was called like oh, shit. Check it out on your streaming services, like, but it's like Brotherhood and Metal or Brothers and Metal. It's it's pretty good, and the, and the guys are still Not holding up pretty no, good. No, no, I, I feel like we, the more you talk about it, the worse it gets. <laughs> okay, well, the, this is what we do. Yeah. So, well, do I throw out my other guys now so that we can wrap up my my segment? Sure. Yes, and 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 if you could mention Vinnie Vincent once or twice. You get extra bonus credits. I definitely cannot mention Vinny Vincent once or twice. But I will mention that I agree wholeheartedly with Chris Creases of the Night so I can have another drink. <laughs> okay. That's... But uh, no, my last, my I, I put too many records on here, so I'll just lump them together. My last two are primarily because they're impact records, and that's Venom Black Metal. Uh, I yeah. freaking love that record. It's it's I, I think if you if you're, let's say, of the persuasion of one John Harden, where you just don't like it, it's not going to do anything for you. If you're generally okay with it, this is a very good Venom record to listen uh, straight through and get your your full-on primer uh, on black metal and understand where it came from and where it's going. I think I think it's great. I think they're very clever um, as far as like good, like well-pointed and marketed black metal band um and then my other record is misfits walk among us right arguably not metal it's really kind of like doo-wop um but i think the whole record's maybe like 30 minutes most of it re-recorded and tracked by glenn danzig himself catchy fun super fun songs and a great record when i was in a band back in high school we used to cover some of these songs um and they're always crowd pleasers because they're fun and they rock um, and if you're going to listen to stuff in the vein of Glenn Danzig, really, it's like the first Danzig solo record, Misfits Walk Among Us, Sailing Halloween, you know, uh, November Coming Fire is probably it. <laughs> you know, and that's probably at most an hour and a half worth of music. Yeah, those, are, those are great choices. And, and again, and not, not to speak for anybody yeah, else, but yeah, thank you. That's, all right, that's half credit. But like, <laughs> check this shit out. Like, you go back. It's like we all remember like seeing the album covers to like continue with the theme of for for bands like Venom or bands like uh, the Misfits and stuff. And it's like, I 
don't know if I'm ready for this. Well, t- you know what's funny, Michael, is, is you go and look at, uh, as we did, you, you would get that Hit Parader magazine, and you would scrutinize those pictures, right? You'd look mm-hmm. and see what they're wearing, what kind of guitars they have, what kind of amps they have, like what club are they in that they're taking pictures and all that crap. And you look and see, it's like, where's Waldo? Misfits tattoos, misfits shirts, all that right? stuff. That's uh, like and, it, it iconically represented on that Cliff Crimson Burton's arm or whatever. Crimson Cliff Burton's uh, right shoulder. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so it's like they had a thing going on and it wasn't real popular because underground was hard when we were kids. But you would see those images, you know, the whole Jersey Devil thing and the the the, the skeletons and the shirts, the really rare like misfit shirts you could only get live at shows and things. And it's cool, man. You you catch little little glimpses, and then you know five ninety eight EP comes out, and there's Sam Hain songs on there. You know, um, Green like, Hell. Well, it's like they got Green Hell. They got uh, and, uh, the other Last one, Caress. Last, right? Caress. Last Caress. There's the original version of Last Caress, like the demo version, is Glenn Danzig probably in his bedroom on one of those little like air organs, like I've got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I killed your baby today. <laughs> it's so like, bad, but 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 the also, fuck like, did he say? He would go and do record. He would do like recording sessions. Everybody would leave, and he'd be like, "This drummer sucks," and he would go and retrack all the drums himself. Yeah, um, well, he 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 did all that cool, stuff, man. He, he he did all this stuff too, like post, like sort of like screw people out of royalties as well, which is a whole other story. But uh, John, I think you have like a couple other. Sort I of think like I have the straight last up two like records. legacy classics from oh 1982 gosh. to like right now tune us into to the delight of David Timoney. I'll group the two records to the disappointment of David Timoney. They're also two of Mike's favorite records. So YNT's Black Tiger and Russia's album Signal. Signal with an S. Whoa, double jizzes. Y&T's fifth album Rush's ninth album Uh, neither one I listened to when they came out they're both both catalog albums for me Uh, Black Tiger I'll I'll take to the grave I think it's one of Y&T's best records and uh, how soon can make that happen John I mean uh, what time is it like I don't know 15 20 minutes like um fucking great and then signals signals is where i think rush you know this this album followed up moving pictures and uh you know i think it it was them starting to lean a little more into synth um and and some of you know following some of their 80s peers i also think it was like their first number one hit in canada um (laughs) it, it went to it went to number 10 on the billboard charts here so they were starting to uh to, to actually have worldwide success, and there's some there's some great records. Subdivisions is on there. Uh, New World Band, you know. I, I think both of these records had songs that followed both of these bands throughout their careers. <coughs> Sorry for all my coffee. I didn't have COVID, but like as John said there too, like I wasn't there in 1982 to like hear any of these records directly but like i think because like i was listening to like mean street in like 83 or so 
my friend brought over Black Tiger. <laughs> and the Albarn is very similar. There's great songs on Black Tiger. Forever. <laughs> Edit this out. But like Forever is like been a mainstay in their uh, in their catalog and their live performances. Forty years running. Black Tiger as well. Black Tiger, Tiger as well. And again, Rush. They have like a forty-year career too as well. Of like being like a great band in the studio, live, and signals. Great record. Definitely subdivisions. I didn't discover it. <coughs> Pardon me. COVID. Probably to like uh, 88 or 89 or so. But when it did, it, it, it sinks your teeth. It sinks its teeth into you. Sinks its teats. Well, that too. It's a thing. <laughs> Got a tickly throat. I really like Signals when it came out. I think Subdivisions is a cool song. And I, I, I really like that album. Black Tiger wasn't. Y&T was okay. I, I liked them, but I, I don't know. I really didn't start to appreciate it until later. But I'm sure you guys appreciate it more because you were, were in that area. That was one of your, you know, top headlining bands. Out yeah, there. I, I think geographically it was beasted upon us. Yeah. Uh, David's never heard either record. I, I was playing it earlier. I, I've heard stuff from Signals because it's, it's in like heavy rotation on MMR here in the Philly area. I never listen to this record because I think the cover's stupid. The Dalmatian. It is. And, uh, I don't get it's, it. It's, 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 it's like, it, to John's point too, it's like, it, it's a diff, it's a kind of a departure, like from like, a little bit sort of like hard rock band. It's a little sort of like, it wants to get uh, a little bit softer, a little bit more melodic. And, and again, like, the, the thing about like being a Rush band, which is not a thing that like you have to like listen to like the lyrics and appreciate the poetry of it. It's like they don't do shit like most pop bands or hard rock bands do. And, and Rush again, is like CrossFit for fifty-year-old men. No, but it's like it, it, they they fucked me up before I was twenty. It's like it, it's it's sort of like what John Keats did to me when I was like an undergraduate. It's like who do you do this? For? I was listening to the Y&T record, and I kind of feel like if if Y&T opened the Black Label Society on yes. the same night, yes. there would be like 16 really good venues playing other gigs at. <laughs> I don't I don't understand the, the nature of this scenario. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm just thinking if we could get all the bands that I don't really enjoy in one spot. Oh, then there'd be like there'd be so many other things to do. Like yeah. there's this really good porta potty. I don't know what's going on there. Perhaps it's like a pop up food stand, but like I'll check that out instead. Does that wrap us up? That's a deep insult. John, wasn't that like a deep insult that David was going at? Yeah, like, this, this is like a good name. We know that David has certain peculiar points of view. Rush is always going to be one of them. Y&T, there's probably more people in the world that agree with David than agree with you and I, but I don't care. I, I'm happy to have bands that are my bands, and if They're they want the too. other band, like, fuck it, like... I'll put it on Black Tiger. I send something. I send something to you guys. We'll both be happy. I send yeah. something to you guys once a week, and I think I get a raft of poop emojis 
and then that's never not come a up thing. again. That's not a thing. All right, well, I get I get packages. Oh, <laughs> yes, that was my turn. <laughs> And when your guitar picture is on a wall in India, David, you can talk shit. Till then, Zach Wilde is the man. (laughs) David, promote our podcast to anybody who's still left. Oh my gosh, if you are still here, (laughs) God bless you. You know what, I'm not even going to make jokes. I'm just going to say thanks for listening. Uh, Check us out on Facebook, Middle-Aged Metalheads, with lots of dashes in between the first two and the last two words. Give us some good ratings on iTunes, if you don't mind. If you do mind, give us good ratings on Spotify. You can find us there as well if you're already listening. You know Check us out on Twitter at MAMHpod. Check us out on Insta at Metal Podcast. And wherever you can find us, please share us with your friends so that we can make this thing bigger and better. And if you've got suggestions, keep them to yourself or put them on the Facebook page and Michael will comment back to you and maybe send you something if we ever get something. Double but on behalf of the Metal Lord Colin Bosler, Michael Stamps, who's getting ready Whoop. to pack and move, and John Harden in Parts Unknown, my name is David Timothy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.